The warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me this week is... Hi, my name's Rob, and I'm a Key Stage 2 teacher currently working in Year 4, and I've had the chance and the opportunity to work in Key Stage 1 and Foundation as well. And today we are exploring learning outcomes in history with the legend of the founding of Rome. Quite appropriate, that, eh? You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for Romulus and Remus. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an epic educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the dramatically adept Dave Hingley, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time, read by the ever-enchanting Erica Sanderson, even more alliteration this week, and even some tips for telling the story yourself. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Rob this week, looking at Romulus and Remus, which happens to be an historical legend. So there's going to be some history in here, isn't there, Rob? And you'd, you'd um, this is a, a key stage two unit, right? It's, yeah, Raymond's a generally taught in key stage two. Okay. And we've already seen a lot. We, we've already touched a lot on the historical angles in the other subjects that we've been looking at for the 7 to 11 age range. So we were looking at uh, the Roman way of writing numbers, for example, and the Roman way of presenting stories through amphitheatres and performance poetry. If you're looking at history with the younger years, though, ages four to seven, how might you explore this story? So I would say, okay, this story is about the Romans and what do we know about the Romans and directs the conversation to the fact that the Romans were alive a long time ago. How long ago? So look at uh, a timeline. Say, look, this is it's not within any of our living history. In fact, it's not within our grandparents' living history and just show them how far back it really is mm. just to give them that perspective of the amount of history that we're looking at. And I would do that with a timeline in the classroom, probably. So start with a piece of string or a long bit of paper that you've carefully created and say, okay, this is now, this is when, and pick different historical parts that are known Mm -hmm. and then be able to place where the Romans are in that. If you're doing it in the year two, the Great Fire of London is quite often a, a story or an idea which is taught in year two. So you could use that as a, a benchmark and say, okay, that happened then. This is even further back than that. This is, this is when Jesus was born or this is when Christianity started. We're talking even further back than that. Mm. Just to give them a sense of the idea of how long ago it was. I think within that you could bring into the fact that a lot of, there is still evidence of the Romans having lived, but it doesn't look the same as it does as the evidence of our grandparents living, mm. i.e. houses are not the same and that it's all ruined because it is 2,000 years old. I know that part of Buckinghamshire, where I live, we've got lots of uh, examples of Roman villas mm-hmm. um, or the, the foundations of them. So, I was, and I was thinking myself, it's quite hard to explain to children, but well, this is here 2,000 years ago because all it is is a, 
it's a, a low stone wall mm. and it's going okay yeah well we were building <laughs> low stone walls last week and um, but just to show you that this is all that's left because it has stood the test of time for so long mm. it shows how how great the romans were. I love the idea that in 2000 years time, um, a low stone wall that your children have created is going to be dug <laughs> up and archaeologists are going to say, you know, even as late as 2000 years ago, they were still building low stone walls. <laughs> Obviously, though, if, if this is a key stage two topic, what, what are the merits of really going into the history with ages four to seven? The, the merits of it are that you can develop like their place in history and other historical events that have happened mm. just to to build up that kind of back catalogue of things that have happened so you can say okay well this was this happened in the past we know it happened in the past because of the evidence so just bringing them lightly into the the topic to say okay we know the romans existed this is how long ago they did exist mm. we know this because we've got the records of it it's not as far back as the dinosaurs but it's still a long time ago in the past so it's part of helping them establish their own place in the world their relationship to time and geography and things like that yes yeah definitely mm -hmm. well if we're already touching on history in so many other areas for ages 7 to 11 have you got a, a unique way of exploring this story <laughs> for those years i do i have funny you should mention that and um, I was thinking about the auguries that happen in the story, which were yes. um, shown as signs from the, the gods or the spirits mm -hmm. about their, either they wanted something to happen or their pleasure or displeasure at something happening. And in this case, it's the uh, the sign of the vultures and uh, Looper howling out. This is Mother Nature saying, come on, sort yourselves out. Mm -hmm. So my my unique take on this would be, how could we send messages to the the gods or the spirits of the the area today hmm. what if you were going to send an email to the spirit of the river what would you do if you were going to or what would you write and hmm. um, what kind of language would you use if you or if you were just going to send them a tweet what would you what would that tweet say to them and hmm. um, say so you could kind of think about what kind of messages do we send to gods yeah or a god that you have say prayers mm -hmm. and uh, wishes and things like that so how would you form that in a, a technological sense how much detail would you put in what kind of language would you use where would you send it mm. how many fingers would your god need to type it back on the computer <laughs> <laughs> so would you do it the other way around then you'd have um, the messages coming back to you so that there's an element of decoding um, I'm, I'm just liking the idea of vultures sending tweets, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could do. You could bring in as well like a, a computing, like, like the idea of coding. Mm. And, this, and this idea literally just sprung into my head. So Caesar used a code to send his messages in secret to his generals in the army. Mm -hmm. So you could, you could write messages in code and then send them to other people in the class in the school yeah. and get them to decode it. Well, you can imagine that um, the farmers on the side of Romulus and Remus were having to do that because if their um, territory spread over seven hills, they probably did need to guard the messages that they were sending between each other from the, the soldiers that were wandering around. Yeah, absolutely. And so look at different ways to keep your, your information safe, how many people know access to the 
the password or the code to crack it and things like that, which links really nicely to the idea of not just ICT, but computing and mm-hmm. how you have that message and keep it safe. I want to mention Bletchley Park, but I think that's probably a bit too far in the distance. Maybe, but you can, you can keep it um, in the idea of augury if you also look at just the different codes that animals have i mean i'm I'm not entirely sure about um wolves and vultures myself but i do know that it's it's possible for me to tell the mood of my cat from the position of its tail so um when its tail is up it's greeting it's very happy to to see us very happy for a cuddle if its tail is up and bushy it's probably being defensive for some reason it's been rattled and it's trying to make itself bigger if its tail is down it's wanting to be you know very secretive it's better if we pretend that he doesn't exist um because he he won't get you know, riled in any way. I'm I'm sure other animals as well speak in a kind of code that maybe you could use to create your your own code of augury, perhaps. Absolutely. Um, I was just thinking as well, horses' ears could show how they're feeling and Uh where the sound is coming from. It's a bit trickier with dogs because they're generally quite happy to see people. but yeah, just thinking about people with cats that I know, when you see the cats and their tails, you go, oh yeah, yeah, that's that cat is happy, upset, anxious. Mm-hmm. That cat is judging you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It may be laying on its back, but your hand is going to be torn to smithereens if you give it belly yep. <laughs> That cat is inviting you to be ripped to shreds. <laughs> so this would come under um, a, a little bit of computing, I guess, if you're talking about coding. Yeah, uh, kind of a mix of computing and RE, if you're going to bring in the idea of communicating with gods or a god Hmm. and looking at what kind of messages you would send them and what kind of messages you might get back from them. Um, Hmm. How do you know if your your prayer has been received? How how do we know today? How did... Uh, What did people do in the past Hmm. to make sure that their prayers were heard or answered? Yeah. Oh, wow. So tying in little bits of literacy and history as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So much on this story. That's all we have time for today, folks. If you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, let us know on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. Please do also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can enjoy effective and lifelong learning. Tomorrow, Romulus and Remus will help us teach geography. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! cheerio. And we we hope hope to hear your your story story soon. soon.